Welcome to Steps, a podcast celebrating people and their stories. Far too often, we don't give people the opportunity to share their journey, where they've come from, what they've overcome, and the amazing things that have happened in their lives. That's what we're going to do on Steps. We'll have real conversations with real people to understand how they've gotten to this place in time. Confucius said, the journey of 1,000 miles starts with a single step. So, let's start this journey. My name is Steve Wenzel. I'm a former college volleyball coach who has a passion for stories, in particular, other people's stories. Today's is one worth tuning into. Our guest today is Amanda Martin. Amanda is a native of Nashville, Tennessee. She played Division I soccer at St. Louis University and is a member of the St. Louis Athletics Hall of Fame. From there, she spent eight years as a Division I soccer coach before transitioning into the corporate space with Deloitte. From the time that she joined Deloitte until now, Amanda has had a tremendous impact on the lives of so many that have been lucky enough to cross her path. Currently, Amanda is Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Recruiting Manager for Deloitte and is calling Philadelphia, Pennsylvania home. Now, let's get into the conversation with Amanda. Good morning, my friend. Hey. It's, I feel like I haven't, I, I know I haven't seen you in forever. And that's like the power of social media is because I feel like I have a pretty good pulse on where you are in your life. And yet we have not like shared space together in nine years. Wild. It's unbel- it's unbelievable to think because again, I mean, we were right across the hall from each other. Yeah. And it, it, for so for those, and I'll do it in the intro and everything, and give your background and all that story. But like for those that don't know, as we're kind of just getting into it, like Amanda and I were both on staff at the University of Cincinnati in different sports. She was over in women's soccer. I was over in the women's volleyball program. And uh, you know, it's, uh, collegiate athletics is one of those spaces that brings people mm-hmm. together. So that's where we connected and where we um, our journey kind of started. And it's been you were saying in the, as we were talking when was the last when were you at Cincinnati yeah last? so the end like fall of 2012 was my last season so I moved from Cincinnati like early 2013 yeah it's been a bit and a, and yeah, a lot of life a lot <laughs> a lot has happened on so many fronts on both sides ends of the yeah. camera and like and that's I think that's one of the things that kind of piqued my interest about us getting in conversation about this. Cause you know, you were one of the ones that I kind of bounced a couple of things off of and I, you know, through social media, right. We have the power to stay connected and figure all this stuff out, but like it hasn't been this for a while. So how about uh, let's, let's start like in the soccer yeah. space, right? Because again, that's where, that's where our paths yeah. cross, right? So I'm a firm believer. Everybody's paths cross for a reason. Everything happens. So like, let's kind of, let's start with that because most of the people I've, spoken to so far, you know, sport, uh, their athletes, their coaches, all that stuff. So why not just, we'll keep the theme yeah. going and kind of let us talk to us a little bit about your journey in the, in the soccer space. Yeah. Um, obviously like soccer has, um, you know, been, I would say the biggest thing in my life, especially like leading up to now opportunities that it has, you know, presented itself because of soccer. I often say that like, it's the language that I speak, my comfort spot where I feel the, the absolute most comfortable, um, so yeah, I, you know, obviously grew up playing soccer, I grew up in Nashville. Um, and then I played collegiately. I started at Arizona and then transferred to St. Louis. Um, and then immediately went into coaching, which is crazy because I like looking back, like, I think I just got super lucky. I'm a pretty outgoing person. I put myself out in front of a bunch of people. No. Like, yeah. 
hey, I'll uh, take the lowest paid job that is available. At, and I started at uh, UNC Charlotte. So I spent my first year coaching UNC Charlotte. And then from there was at Oklahoma for a season. And then I was at Cincinnati for five. So total seven to eight years in coaching. Dang. And, you know, what's interesting having that red thread from the coaching space, right? Like you went all around yeah. the country and I mean, can you, what was that like for you? I mean, again, you said, you said Nashville, Arizona, Oak, uh, St. Louis, Charlotte, Oklahoma said so like, yeah. What, like how, how did you embrace that? Cause again, I I've got, I mean, I'm fortunate that, you know, my wife and partner, we've, we've done all of that journey. But it like it's unique to the each individual. So how like how was that? Yeah, work? I mean, I think I was always somebody that wanted to like get out and be and see and be on the move, um, and so that was always exciting for me. Um, I think I realized pretty quickly that I what what is tough about college athletics is that oftentimes you can be in a small college town, which I think is cool for a um, college kid, and it is less cool for a coach. And so I found pretty quickly like okay, well, my vibe is definitely more in like an urban environment. So I liked moving around. I obviously liked meeting people and um, coaching's hard. Like, and, and I <laughs> like, you know, now that I've you know transitioned into the, the corporate world, like so many things like that I take from, from coaching or just even like anecdotes, like funny things, like I'll say to my team now that I work with, you know, it'd be a hard work week. I'd be like, we don't have to beat Notre Dame to keep our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so crazy but for real and well and that, it's interesting that you like you say that and I, again i don't know if i'm supposed to do this in reference previous episodes but like my first episode i did like i had with matt jennipro uh former head coach at app state right like matt and i talked at length about you know wins and losses yeah. and why you coach and like administration and all that stuff and like you bring up an interesting point because when we were talking earlier you mentioned a lot of like a lot of my listeners are going to be particularly in the volleyball space, yeah. coach space. We're looking to expand it. So, uh, you know, hoping we get into the soccer space here too, but like, and life and all that, but like wins and losses is what you are judged yeah. on as a coach. Yeah. And that's a shitty feeling. I will say this, like, and I, and I say this to people in my life, um, you know, nobody's showing up to like my presentations or zoom meetings and like critiquing it or being like, crushed it <laughs> or blogging right. about the fact that I should lose my job. I mean, that like that there isn't that I, I don't experience that anymore. Um, mm -hmm. And then, yeah, like within coaching or within athletics, like it's hard not to let your entire self-worth be caught up in wins and losses. I mean, it takes over so much of your world. Yeah, it, it does. And again, particularly, like if you, how you look at coaching, right? Cause I, again, I, I also understand just like with personalities and with coach, like everybody has a different kind of personality yeah. type and all that stuff. And like some people, it is literally all about the wins and losses and they view themselves as defined by that. And then there are the people that as I'm getting into more conversation and having like intimate conversation with people, and I've always tried to do this, but like, you know, it's, it's more than the wins. It's more like it's again. And I go back to, you know, something that's even on your, your LinkedIn bio, right? Like you have a passion, people and their stories, right? And like impacting lives and they like all of these things made up your, the lens at which you coach yeah. through. And like, it's just, it's interesting because none of that really ever gets talked about. Yeah. I mean, 
that's so true. Like you don't get to like plead for your case in front of the AD and say, I really cared about, you know, people and their stories. I will say this to you because one thing that like, I think is um, really needed in the coaching world is perspective. And unfortunately that comes through like hard stuff. It comes through, you know, life things happening, losing your job, having a losing season, like whatever, you know, uh, you know, divorce, kids, all those things impacted. I think it, it takes perspective, but think about early on in our coaching careers, it was just like, get the best recruits and win and that's it. And then all the, the other color and texture gets added. And if you can't, you know, get that perspective, I think it's, I think it's hard. 100%. And I think one thing that you hit on was kind of that age piece, right? When you get into coaching, it's like, Hey, we're going and we're doing this and did it. But like, what, what's one piece of advice, again, having been through it that you would share with somebody that is in the same position you were in so many years ago, a young coach. that's like, okay, you know, yeah, it's about the wins and did it, but like you said, it's a, kind of an age and we grow and we do that. Like what's one thing that you would share that you, you wish you knew? I think it's, it's, this is not all of who you are. This is not 100% of who you are. It might take up a ton of your time, but like, who are you when that doesn't exist and spend as much time building that, like building who you are on the inside, building a community, like having just other outside influences to me, I think is so necessary. I also, and I don't know if this is like wrong to say, listen and learn. I think like you come in as a young coach, like I, you know, like I have all the ideas and I, and I, and I, and I'm passionate. That's a big thing. And I think you and I both share that. It's like, I'm really passionate so I'm going to take this emotional passion and I'm going to try to utilize it for coaching, which isn't necessarily it, right? Like it's, it, yeah. we need some emotional regulation, you know, when we're coaching, you know, athletes. Um, but that's where the outside perspective and having different outlets that, so it's not all going toward, you know, your job or your team. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of ways to say that, I, you know? <laughs> yeah. And again, it's, not necessarily where I intended kind of going with it, but like, yeah, you're absolutely right. And again, I think the, and I've been in situations to where passion can be confused by the person that's receiving yeah. it as well. Right. Like if somebody's, somebody's enthusiastic and all this stuff, right. People can view it as almost, I don't want to say aggressive, but like it gets things out of sorts and everything. And I, I had an experience in one of the gyms that I was coaching, right. Like, so like, look, I, we don't need you doing this, this, like your energy is too much for the team. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. And that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. But again, as you sit and you talk about the listening perspective, for me, it was like, I took it, I took it very tough at first and I'm like, okay. And now that I sit and reflect on it, right? Like, okay, maybe it was a little bit over the top, but like when you're just, when you're in it and you care so much, it's, it's I think that's why we need mentors in coaching. I mean, I would say that that's a big thing that, you know, in the corporate world yeah. that, that we do have, you know, whether that's, you know, you know, coming in the form of like an onboarding, you know, someone that's like working you through like, you know, how to start your job or just someone that like is mm -hmm. in the same professional sector as you, like really ensuring that like you're meeting all of the, you know, requirements, but also milestones. And in coaching, it's like, hey, 22 year old Amanda. <laughs> Um, and I think that yeah. that's needed. I mean, I really think that that is needed. I and agree boundaries. completely. And so 
let's go. I'll touch one more thing on coaching. And then I do, we, it's come up a couple of times and I know we were planning on talking about it a little bit with, you know, the transition yeah. into corporate, but like, so from a mentor perspective and all that stuff in the coaching space, like let's talk collegiate athletics. Yeah. Do you, how do you see that? Uh, how do you, is there a way that you would kind of bring that to life? If you were writing it right now for 22-year-old Amanda, how would you write it? Yeah, that? I think it can exist in a few different ways. I think like within the um, within the sport itself, sort of that's volleyball or basketball or soccer, um, within the broader collegiate scene, like, you know, and obviously like as a woman, like I, I, my, I immediately go to like, you know, female mentors and like women in coaching and keeping women in coaching, but, you know, making sure that these women that are staying in coaching are doing something, you know, giving back in terms of mentorship to younger coaches. And I'm sure alliances Mm -hmm. like that kind of exist maybe like, but, you know, once again, everyone's sort of fighting for their time. But if that was like built into, um, yeah, more of like a, a, um, a broader reach, I think that would be successful. One step further. And if I could create this, it would exist within the athletic departments. Right. So like, you start mm-hmm. as a coach and you are a, you know, second assistant coach, then you are paired with a first assistant in another, in another sport. And you're, you know, having, you know, quarterly check-ins of development and maybe that's an opt-in or an opt-out, but I, I think that that is something that can be really I d- useful. I dig that concept. Like that's pretty cool. So any of my coaching friends that are listening, right. Bring, can you bring that to the table within your, within your programs or your athletic departments? Because I think that if I reflect, I think that's one of the reasons why potentially you and I had connected. I, I'm that I'm always that person. Like I will go and I will seek out and I will yes. connect, right. Connection is my thing. So I naturally found some of that, but I didn't necessarily look at it through the lens of, from a growth or a development perspective, it just made my heart full to connect yeah. with other people. Right. So I think that's a, that, that's a super interesting concept and maybe we need to ideate more on that and figure out how we bring, we can bring Let's that to it. life for yeah. some people too. I dig it. Let's go. Um, all right. So, Let's segue out of coaching, yeah. right? So, I mean, again, you, you've brought it up a couple of times, you know, the corporate space and everything. So Cincinnati ends. Yeah. And then here's Amanda who in theory is coached and been a part of soccer her yeah. whole life and all this stuff. And, oh, now we've got to transition. Like what, talk to me about that journey. Yeah. I mean, candidly, like we had a bad season my last year at Cincinnati. Whole staff was let go. And at that time I was, you know, um, like approaching 30 or almost 30. And I was like, I I was in that pause that so many coaches are in where it's like, do I keep hustling? Do I, I kind of mentioned this earlier, move to middle of nowhere college town and take a mid-major, you know, head coaching job or or go get on a staff somewhere. I, I actually used that time to like really think about what are my transferable skill sets? What else can I do? Like, I know that I'm not just soccer, although that feels like, the that feels like those that that's only tools in my toolbox but um so i had a lot of conversations with people but you know recruiting kept coming up obviously like the the biggest thing we do in in college athletics is that like we recruit our talent and and if i am honest i think i was a better recruiter than i was soccer coach or am soccer coach i still consider myself a soccer coach um you know, re- obviously kind of going back to like connecting with people, which Steve, I know you do as well. But like, I, I, I felt like I was very good at like identifying talent and like, kind of like bringing them on the journey and bringing them in. Yeah. So I ended up having conversations um, 
back in Nashville, where I'm from, um, at Deloitte, which is where I currently am, which is crazy because it's been like almost nine years, which is unbelievable. Like as longer than you've been coaching, longer than I've like, been longer coaching. than you were coach, longer like, than I've been coaching. That's perspective right there. I did yeah. that. Um, so I ended up having a conversation with, with a couple of the, like, um, the people in the Deloitte office in Nashville and they had an open recruiter position and it was just like doing all the hiring for the, like the state of Tennessee for Deloitte, which, um, and, and it was on college campuses at the time it was, you know, I had, you know, I was back on college campuses, but instead of once again, having to like prepare these recruits to beat Notre Dame, it was just like, do you want a job at Deloitte? <laughs> And right. um, and I, you know, so anyways, I, I'm sure you have questions in that, but like, that was the big thing is the transferable skill set, And that's something I talk to people often about, like, what else are you good at? What else would, if someone could describe you and they couldn't use the word volleyball or they couldn't use the word basketball, what else are they saying? Yeah, I, no, I dig that. that. Like, that's really cool because, and again, just through conversations, and I'm sure you that you mentioned you had some of them, right? Like the you, coaches are at this crossroads. This you know, then the, they're trying to understand again their identity, all of these different things. But yet, so often we wrap ourselves up in our identity of what we do. Yeah. You know, it, again, it's defined that way. Um, so you asked a question, or the question that you ask other people, right? What what is it that what was the question you asked? Yeah, like if um, people are if people are describing you as a as an employee yeah, and they're not it. using volleyball or basketball or soccer, what are they saying? So what what is that for you? Yeah, I think people. Yeah, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to think about like that version of me because obviously I, I feel you know who I am is the same, but like that yeah. version of we yeah, yeah that version of me would be like vivacious, outgoing, a connector. Um, you know, I, I think a, a good recruiter loves people, um, good mm -hmm. in front of people. Like, I think that's how, like, I was described um, or how I would describe myself. What about you, Steve? What, what, what do you think people would say about you? I mean, that, right now, and I joke about it, I say that I'm a serial doc connector, yeah. right? Like, that's like that's at my core, yeah. right? And it, it's, it stems in connection and like taking care of others. And that's, that ties into childhood. That ties yeah. into all of those yeah. things that again, therapies of God said, yes. I uncover all of those things along the way. But like, for me, it's, it's literally always about others. I'm very passionate. Enneagram um, too. You know, the helper. Uh, yes. And then you've got my friend over here, the Enneagram <laughs> seven. <laughs> I mean, I saw it multiple different ways, but the enthusiast, yeah. right? And that's that's literally what you but what you described yourself, vivacious. And I think the interesting thing is uh, who we are, like enneagrams, things like that. Like who we are at the core, like those those are our behaviors. Those are kind of our, like that's our operating yeah. system. It doesn't, however, mean that we can't change and we can't evolve and we can't update. And I think that's something that. Like I've personally uncovered yes. on my own journey, right? The pat over whether it be the past two years or beyond, but like, I guess for your, for the upgraded, for Amanda, you know, operating system, 15.3.5, yeah. whatever you're at, right? Like how have you figured out what like that evolution has looked like, or how have you embraced some of that? Great question. And a lot in that. And I, um, you know, <laughs> just briefly, we just kind of touched on the Enneagram and, and I will say that yeah. as a tool, 
as, as, as to be able, and, and there's many of them out there. I find the Enneagram to be the strongest or the most relatable for me because there's a spiritual element that I connect to. Um, but like being able to like say, okay, here's who I am at this point in time. So 29 year old Amanda, that's like leaving coaching. And I describe myself this way. Enneagram seven through and through, you know, and that, 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 yeah. that would, maybe that's home base, but I think a lot has happened in that time. So when we say like, who is Amanda today or how would I describe myself now? Or, you know, sure. I think it is, um, it is changed a lot. And I think a lot of it is growth. I think a lot of it is grief. I think a lot of it is perspective. Um, while I'm still like, you know, passionate about people in their story, which that is also the center of my heart, just like it is yours. And I know that's why we connected. I think like I, over the last few years, I feel like I'm calmer. I feel like I am, um, you know, what, you know, maybe even in, in my coaching days and definitely in my early days um, here at Deloitte, like still really running off passion, really running off mm -hmm. of, you know, um, yeah, that like that energy that comes from uh, being successful, connecting with people. Um, and now I feel like just that I am okay with me and I'm okay in stillness. And I'm, I'm even okay if things like aren't as successful as like maybe like they'd always been for me. Um, and that, so when you said like about like the Enneagram, like as a seven, like that is maybe who I was, but not always who I'm going to be. It's just always going to be part of it. I, I mean, right. I, I find that to be on growth, right? That is, I mean, I could go into that. I don't know where you want to take this, but like, yeah. <clears throat> Stay with it. I mean, again, well, and again, I think we can, I love it because again, I think it, it talks to, if we're right now, the, just even in the 20 minutes that you and I've been talking, right? Like I've gathered our conversation is right now. It's about evolution and yeah. growth and like going through all like our journeys. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I know growth is a big thing for you. Yeah. you. You mentioned sitting, being in the stillness and all of that stuff. So like, I guess I'll, I'll I want to kick it to you and let you where like you've obviously grown, yeah. you've been through things. Yeah. Um, what's, what's one thing that stands out right you as for you as at a pivotal moment or something that you've been through that has forced you to grow and aided you to grow and gotten you Ooh. to grow? I, and you can yeah, go around. I think that there are, there are some, really key moments, like, you know, throughout the trajectory of my life that have really, you know, uh, what I would say would be like pivotal landmark things that have happened in my life. Um, and, and most of those involving difficult circumstances. Um, when we were talking about like, like who I was as a coach and, and maybe how I was described now, what was running in my head is that that 29 year old Amanda had not had her world wrecked. And I thought maybe I had, you know, my parents divorced when I was younger. Um, I, oh, um, I, I guess to come out on the podcast, like I'm gay. I, you know, identify as a lesbian and like that coming out journey was difficult. And even then I had not had my world rocked. And I think 
that is what has happened in the last eight years of my life is where the majority of like my pivotal moments have come from. And it's been hard and amazing. Like that's what's like, so yeah. It's trying to figure out, you know, kind of where to go here because the past eight years, you said that's been some of the most pivotal and again, identifying as a, white heterosexual male, you know, like, and what you said, one of the, one of the things you said to me that stood out was like, you know, coming out. And again, that's obviously like, can you, can you share anything around that? Because again, obviously everybody's at different stages in their journey. And obviously now compared to what, when you were going through it is very different. So I, I like personally, and then I also think our listeners might be a little bit like that want to understand a little bit. Yeah. For sure. And I agree. Like, I, I think we think about like our age range, Steve, like just wasn't like representation of other in general. Like, um, so no. the, yeah. Um, in terms of like the coming out journey. So I, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like my parents divorced when I was younger and, and, in you know, when I was a you know teenager and I got like really involved in like the evangelical world. So like I was president of FCA, I was a young life leader. I was all in on that. Um, and so my world, like, so when I went to college, like my whole world was like this like Christian athlete. That's who I was, um, at that time. And, you know, in the late nineties, early two thousands, that was also a pretty cool thing to be like, that was in, it's kind of an interesting thing to say, but, um, and it was a really wonderful thing for my life. Like I, I very much, you know, at that time found a lot of peace in that. I think along the way, like realizing like, oh, <laughs> I'm gay, which is, it, like that was hard to even like utter those words. Um, right. Like I was at a crossroads of like, where does my faith m- like match or meet with my sexuality? Like what, what is that intersection? And I felt at the time, like I have to sacrifice one or the other. And so it's like, you know, spent a lot of years just sort of like living this like pseudo secret life. Um, And then, yeah, the the reality, uh, you know, of of a pivotal moment there is, you know, I was a part of a, um, it's a, it's a semi-pro soccer team. So like in the summers of college, all the good players like play in these like semi-pro mm-hmm. leagues. Um, and this specific team that I was on um, was like a, a Christian affiliation. So similar to FCA, but not. Yeah. Um, and, and that, that organization is called the Charlotte Eagles and they still exist today. Um, I actually ended up getting kicked off of this team. So I like, you know, all of my identity is in soccer and it's also like in this, you know, in, in my faith. And this was like the perfect world, right. Of like playing with my best friends, playing at like a top level. And yeah. So I get kicked off this team in a, in a lot of circumstances, you know, I think, you know, looking back I mean, for being gay or for, yeah. Um, and so that was going into my, no, that was, I had just graduated college. So that's why I was in Charlotte for UNC Charlotte. So I literally start my Got professional it. career, like, at, like basically just being like shamed 
by this organization that I love so much. And even then I'll, I'll be honest, like it's hard for me to even like say them by name because like I do still kind of love this time of my life. Really right. interesting to like, uh, hold to hold both, right. That we can, you know, have both experiences. But so that was traumatizing. Um, and, and really what it did is like kind of forced me back in, um, so that was, you know, 22 years old, you know, starting my professional career have just been like, I, I mean, I don't feel like the only person ever kicked out of some like, I don't know what kind of world that was. Um, and obviously not the only person, but. Um, right. It's at the, but at that time, right. It felt yes, like it, it right? felt because again, any growth, you're fine. And I, I can only speak from what I hear and how, like how I hear it. But like, I mean, again, you're coming to terms with everything. You're going through all these yeah. internal battles and then here you go. It's like, no, like it, you're, we, you can't be a part of this for multiple we reasons. We love you, but we don't love that. And it was so like, everyone was unwilling to really talk about it. That's the thing. It's like these like big, oh. broad stroke statements that like, Anyways, it was very clear. And this was my experience, just like in evangelical Christianity was like, we love you. We don't condone your lifestyle. You have no place here. Um, and so undoing that, right? So like I, I, so much of my foundation early in my like formative years was on this, like, I'm a Christian and like, this is who I am yep. to like, really just have that, like, uh, you don't have a place here. Just ripped, basically ripped Big from you. pivotal moment for me. Big. Yeah. And that's like, that's interesting, right? Because fast forward to today. And again, many of my friends are out many of my, like, and again, the world is a very different place. And I sit and I take a step back. Right. And obviously knowing little bits of your story and your journey from that perspective, but like people like you were also the ones that helped bring to life and Mm -hmm. bring things to life that are happening Mm -hmm. today. So again, although that I'm not a part of that space, I am an ally and and like, so I thank you for, you know, doing what you did. And it sucks that you went through that. The interesting thing for me is that you and so many others have made it that much Mm -hmm. easier for other people. So, I mean, thank you. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I, I think about the people that came before me um, that really right. paved a, a way and a path um, that I think don't get the credit. Because what's interesting about like this, like, you know, my age range, you know, I'm in my late thirties is to say like, there was so much in my life where like, you couldn't, like, I could not even fathom that like gay marriage would ever be legal, that like it would ever be talked about. And then we did, we right. had this like warp speed in, you know, starting around, yeah, like the second Obama administration. So like 2012, where it just went mm-hmm. into like, this is actually, this is actually happening. And, and it happened so fast, so fast. Um, but I, yeah, like sometimes I'm just like, that's crazy. Like how much has changed even in my adult life. Um, yeah. 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 Well, and so it, when that's going on, right, you hit warp speed, you get in again, was it 2015 yeah. when gay marriage became legal? Right. So, so many people it's like, okay, yeah, like this is, I'm in love. We're able yeah. to do this. Let's go do yeah. that. And 
what was what was your experience around that? Yeah. So I um I I was in a relationship at the time. Uh we were actually engaged uh when when gay marriage uh became legal. Um I'm not I, I kind of can't even really remember what the plan was. Like if it didn't pass, like was, you know, go to a different state and get married. And, you know, uh, right. we were living back in Nashville at the time. Um, so um, we were married at the end of 2015. So the, the year that uh, gay marriage was legal. Um, and then I, you know, have to follow it up. I say like, I, I probably was one of the first people that, that my friends, my family knew to get gay married. And I was also one of the first mm-hmm. that people knew to get gay divorced. And I say that like to be funny, like game, you know, it's, it, it is, it is, you know, a, a marriage and it is a divorce, but like to mm-hmm. have both, um, is, uh, an interesting thing to carry. And this is you know, to talk about moments, talk about moments in our life, like to, to come mm-hmm. from like, I, you know, really like fighting for the right to be seen and like, um, celebrated and, and accepted and I'm not the only one. And I, I don't want it to sound like this is just Amanda. And, mm-hmm. You know, she's the only one to go through this. Like so many people have, and I still sit in a massive place of privilege when I say that, but um, you know, to, to, to really fight for that um, and have people say like, we're in, like my grandparents are in, you know, my, my ex's family's in, like everyone's in mm-hmm. um, felt like holding a lot. And it felt like you, like we were representing people's experience of, you know, the LGBTQ plus world and gay marriage. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, when we, yeah, (laughs) there's so much to go with that, but yeah. You, one thing you just quickly said was that you held all of that for other people. Right. And like, it was like, you were what you were people's first experiences. You were like all of that. Right. Did, how did, how did that make you uh, feel? And really quickly, you can, no, let's go with that. Cause I, and then we'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, so thinking about like, uh, I'm trying to think about like how to answer that. So like, how did it make me feel to almost feel responsible for people's experience of gay marriage mm-hmm. or, um, Thank you. Thankful for a lot of therapy that I've been able to like process this, like, cause now I have a look back lens. Um, sure. at the time it felt heavy. It felt like everything has to be perfect, right? Like the, everything that, that we're putting out into the world has to be perfect. Every like has to be almost palatable. Like, like I remember feeling like that mattered, right. In terms of like, yeah, like what? Yes. Um, so that felt heavy and it also, you know, to kind of like fast forward to like 2019 and, and, and going through a divorce, I, it didn't just feel like, like a set, a, a painful separation from a partner. It felt like I was letting everybody down. It felt like shame and embarrassment, which reminded me of what I had been through, you know, 10 years prior, you know, 15 years prior, just this, just ultimate shame. Um, and I mean, I have so many things swirling in my head because in those moments, like, especially early and like the like divorce part was like total, like fight or flight, like 
that is where the, I would say the unhealthy versions of my Enneagram seven were just in full light. That's actually how I found my way to the Enneagram. Cause I was like, this is exactly what I'm doing. It is like, I, I was manipulating storylines. I was really like dumping on other people and just like trying to self-soothe, like trying to share my story with a friend so that whatever they told me back made me feel better. Just like constant on the move, flying around, like really yeah. trying to avoid it. So many ways I could take this, but that, that was that early, yeah, painful, brutal. With that, and again, I, I speak a little bit from experience again, um, you know, there's divorce that has happened in my family and like, not with my parents, but you know, with people close to me and I, I sit and I, I see how that goes, yeah. you know, one, uh, one divorce, you know, no kids, another different yeah. divorce, you know, with, uh, with kids. And again, it, it, if in some end better than others, some can be amicable after the fact, yeah. like what was your outside of the heaviness and feeling the weight of all of it, right? Like what was what was that experience like for you and yeah. how, how is it like, how is it sitting with you today? Yeah. Um, felt like the most painful rejecting past childhood trauma all wrapped into one experience that I couldn't get out of is what it felt like. It felt like I was sitting in a blender with the things that I feared the most and somebody just put blend and put it all together. Um, You know, my biggest fear was like not being accepted or just rejected um, big time, like connected to like, you know, some childhood abandonment stuff. And those are stories that like, I kind of, you know, kept with me. And once again, I've gone through a lot of therapy. So I've worked through a lot of what this story was that I would always tell myself. But at that Mm -hmm. time it was like, of course this happens, of course. Um, And I, yeah. Um, I divorce is super death dealing. and it was a really, really hard time for me. Yeah, really hard. And I am sure I'll say it a couple times throughout our conversation. But again, I, I appreciate you being vulnerable yeah. and sharing this. It's hard to be. Because, it's, it's hard, Steve. I'll be honest. Even like talking about oh it God. now, I'm like still wanting to like hold sacred space for like. Yeah what was, you know what I mean? But I'm just trying to be so like, like it all can exist. Yeah. And what I feel just through the conversation and obviously you and I are face to face via camera, but like, like I feel it right. Like, and I, I say that cause I, like I do, I feel like all of it as you talk and like, so I know it's not easy yeah. and that's where I come back around to like, I, I am truly grateful and appreciative of the vulnerability you you being authentic because what you just said, right. It can all yeah. exist. It can all yes. be. And I think, I think that's the unique thing about like 
humans and us as we live our lives, right? We, we all are on this journey and every little piece of it, your childhood trauma, my childhood trauma, all the stuff like divorce, like moving all, whatever it might be, right? That that's what's br- what brings us to this moment right here in this moment in time. And yeah. like through, you mentioned therapy a couple of times and that's, that's where I'm going to go next because I want to yeah. understand like, you know, as much as you're willing to share about your journey, but like for me, and I've said this a couple of times, like I've been in therapy over the past year and it's, the stuff that you uncover, mm-hmm. if you, once you start like letting your guard down and trying to understand and understand what the makeup is and where, like, like it's daunting. And I was texting with a good friend the other day and like, it gets worse before mm-hmm. it gets better. When you start uncovering yeah. that stuff, when you are going through and trying to under like, and really want to try to understand to move forward and grow, that shit is yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, Collective deep breath. Yeah. So, yes. Um, getting to the, the the center, right, with your therapist or, you know, in talk therapy takes a bit too. And I think that's what's, what's hard, especially for an Enneagram 7. It's like, I want a quick fix. I want to mitigate pain. I don't want to feel this way. But one of my biggest realizations through therapy and through, you know, the last three years um, is like, I always considered myself to be pretty vulnerable. Like I, I, I think if, if someone had said like, you know, are you vulnerable or is Amanda vulnerable? I feel like people would be like, yes, of course. But I realized working in therapy that like, I wasn't, I'm not, that's not like my, I am, I'm becoming, um, I'm honest. I'm honest as a way to say like, I'm going to tell you all these things about me that feel like things no one ever tells you and never talks about. So it seems vulnerable. It's not vulnerable. I'm not sharing my depth. I'm sharing honesty. <laughs> wow. And that, that, yeah. yeah no, that, that to me, and I apologize for the interjection. And the only reason I like that, like that hits with me, right? As somebody I'm a two, any year I'm two, I connect, I thrive in being the helper. And yeah. being like, so to share pieces of my story or where I've been, it's natural for me because again, that's the connective tissue. The interesting thing around that is like, I, I like what you said about, I'm just, I'm being honest and I'm being honest. I'm being honest about my experience, but I'm not necessarily being vulnerable because it's not around me sharing what it's done yes. to me or how, how it, makes it makes me, me feel, feel or how I'm, how I'm working through this process. It's just like, this happened. Oh, my mom died 20 years ago and I was 21 and I dropped out of college yeah. and great. And so, yeah, there's that connective tissue that, and I feel as though it's like, yeah, but that like you, that really landed. With yeah. Me. Holy cow. So, you know, being with my therapist, you know, over the last few years has really made me realize that, 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 that is like so much of what I was doing. And also just my inability to be vulnerable in general, I think also caused divides in, or, or space separation in all of my relationship dynamics, not just, you know, romantic ones. Um, and I did, and I did that, right. That was my outer default because I felt like if I can't, if I'm not vulnerable with you, then you can't hurt me. <laughs> I mean, clearly that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> clearly that's not true. Um, 
yeah, that, that was a big one um, for me. Um, and I'll also say, and I, you and I have connected a lot about this, like being able to learn the the tools of like quieting the outside world and quieting my mind because my yeah. mind is incredible and it will take off and spin so many stories, mostly to make me feel better, mostly mm -hmm. to self-soothe, creating scenarios like, okay, if this happens, this means I'm okay. And if that doesn't, if that happens, it means I'm not okay. Just constant and meditation this sounds so woo-woo. Like I would have never thought I'd be somebody like this, <laughs> but meditation, like literally learning the art of like breathing into the actual moment that you're in being where your feet are on the ground has helped me move from where I was 15 years ago or where I was nine years ago when I got out of coaching or, you know, three years ago as, as my, I can't believe it's been that long, but as my, you know, marriage was ending, like being able to say like, I am safe. And I am okay here in this moment. Like I am here big time for me. And, and that's a, but that, that doesn't happen just like that. Right. It's so, not I mean, a quick talk. It's not. And again, you and I do, we do communicate around meditation, you know, mindfulness, things like that. But for, and everybody that, what I always tell when I'm talking to people, everybody's journey is yeah. unique, particularly in that space. Right. Because again, to sit and be quiet. Some people, <laughs> I mean, people can't do that. Focus on the breath. You want me to do what? Right. So how did you, how'd you get into it? Right. Like, and again, can you talk yeah. about like that piece of the journey for you? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it really started like, you know, two, two and a half years ago. I, you know, I, I, people had been saying to me, obviously I was going through a divorce and I was, so wrecked and, and chaotic, honestly, like chaotic in thought in like emotion, just really spinning, mm -hmm. not like alcohol and drugs, but like really just like emotional drain and draining everyone around me and just spinning out of control. Um, and, and people had said to me, like people that I, I know and trust and love, um, and my therapist had said like, you should try meditation. And, and immediately my thought is, like you said, that doesn't work fast enough. <laughs> that doesn't feel right. like three IPAs, like sitting at my local brewery, which I, right. I also love. <laughs> so I'm going to continue to do more of that. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to travel. I think you probably remember this. Like I went to London by myself over the holidays. Like I was just like, I'm yep. going to do all that because this meditation thing is not that it's not going to, I'm not going to get anything quick enough out of that. Yeah. Um, and ironically at the start of 2020, so pre COVID, so it was like you know, a mm -hmm. random day. Like I, I want to say it was like January 15th or something. I just decided I, I read on Twitter, somebody, somebody was like, I just finished 25 days on the insight timer meditation app. And I thought, I like streaks. Like I like winning. I, I like, like, <laughs> All right, yeah. coach. I like, like, I'm going to, I'm going to break random dude on Twitter's 25 days. <laughs> I don't even, it's so funny. I wish I like had like saved that or something. I was, like, was going to say, yeah. have you, have you thanked him for that? Because <laughs> I was like, well, you know, whoever, whoever you are, I'm going to break your, I'm going to give myself something to do. I'm going to give myself a task. And, and that task was like, can I break 25 days of meditation? And what does that even look like? 
Seth, without without ever never meditating or without ever jumping into the water, like you're just Correct. like I'm going to go more than 25 Correct. days. Lots of people had said you need to meditate. We love you, Amanda, but like it, you are, and I know you're. You know, it's like Amanda. Like I know you're sad. I know you're in grief, but like you are, uh, like you gotta find it like in the most loving way possible. Think about how you can center that. So I also, I knew it was going to be positive, but I also kind of felt like it was just like for, not for show, but like to win, to like literally just another thing to take my mind off being in pain. So I'm going to beat this guy's streak. (laughs) Uh, And like, I realized like that I could do that. And I had the, um, so I downloaded the Inside Timer app and I just started really Mm -hmm. like, like small, like I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do like one or two minutes a day. And genuinely at that time, like yeah. just to do it. So I'd like press timer to check yeah, just, just yeah. like to do it. And then like, as time sort of went on one, I loved the streak. Um, and that, you know, I know, you know, this. like, I'm still on it. I think today's like seven fifteen in a row. And I think that streak kept me going, but it's so much deeper than that. Now the being able to like, take time out of my day and it's always my morning right before I have a cup of coffee and just like feel safe and breathe in my own body and feel the power of like this second, this second um, has, has changed my life in more ways. Like the most revolutionary thing that I have ever experienced because now when my brain is in, what if, what if you're getting too old to have kids? What if, mm-hmm. like, what did, what did divorce mean about who you are? What about all this crazy stuff going, you know, on in your job? What All the stories, I can take it back to my breath and say like, I'm okay now. Like I I'm safe here. And that has been anybody thinking about meditation, like start with one minute each day. And it's from 6.59 to 7 a.m. And every day and string and string and string and string. Start to talk to people about it. They give you tools. Mm-hmm. Incredible practice. I mean, that's amazing. And again, I've so meditation is, it can absolutely be transformative. And it can, it, like, it's a tool, right? It's a, and it's 715 straight days, right? You've developed this routine. You've developed something that gives you a tool to, be able to cope with things during the day. It allows you to give, give you space to sit and be with yourself. Yeah. And again, feel, and again, I'm, I'm a believer in meditation. I love it. I've done uh, most of the different apps. I've been on insight timer. I'm currently on calm. Um, I've gone back to calm. I've done headspace. Uh, fun fact. I almost, I, I was actually contemplating starting a meditation app um, for um, like athletes. So, but like uh, during COVID, that was one of my brain, little brainstorms, but like, it's, it's one of those that like the ability to sit and it's not necessarily sit and turn everything off. Right. It's a, it's the ability to sit with yourself and pay attention to what the hell is going yeah. on. And it's easy. And it's also one of the hardest things to do. It really, it really is. I, as you said that, I was thinking about yesterday. So I, I, I have a Peloton also, which I love. You do too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so I, 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 I also do the Peloton meditations. I just add it to my insight timer app so that I don't miss my streak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, I can totally fair. You got to keep that streak going. 
see yesterday I was doing one and, um, and it, it was like a 15 minute one. Um, who was it with? Um, a DT maybe. Okay. Got it. Anyways, the, uh, it was like to come up with your own mantra. And, and I was, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, um, I'm living in Philly right now and I, I just have like a studio. I sold my house and everything I own. And I'm just like in this really cool studio, but anyways, so I'm sitting in my studio floor and she's like, come up with like a mantra. And, and I've heard these words together and I have not read this book yet, but like, this is what came over me. And I can't like get these, this phrase out of my mind, which is like radical acceptance, radical acceptance. Like I didn't create that, but it came to me and I'm like, sitting in my studio here in Philly, just sobbing as I'm saying like radical acceptance and like feeling the power of that. And I, to find that in meditation, to find radical acceptance of the unfolding moment of the moment that you're in, whatever it is. Like we have no, we can't control anything, Steve, nothing. Uh So radical acceptance is a really powerful moment. Oh my goodness. Like that, that gave me chills when you said that, because again, right? Like those are things that when you pay attention or even further, when you let go, right? The stuff that comes up is the most important. Like, holy hell. (sighs) Sorry. Like that, like, but that's the power of it yeah. all, right? That's the, for me, that's the power of paying attention. That's the power of doing the work. Like that's because something like that happens and you, you are able to sit and be free and allow yourself to feel and cry and like whatever it is that you yourself need in that moment, but that's what you mm-hmm. landed on. And it, and the fact that you're bringing it up a day later means it's exactly what you were meant to feel mm-hmm. and what you were so like it like to me it's just super powerful and it's like it's a testament to the journey of everything that we go through right like we're all on this path all on this journey and i've said it multiple times but like you're exactly where you're meant to be right now as mm-hmm. am i and it's uh you know a little bit of vulnerability here like particularly with the podcast right like this is i've had this in mind for quite some time right and i get my own way and i'm like i just don't i just don't do and so i finally have done it and the coolest part about all this is again i i write down stuff you know i asked you some questions coming into it so that way i can have a background and understanding and we have but like there's there's really no plan yeah. right it's it's literally sitting and understanding and being in this case with somebody else and feeling and just kind of letting it yeah. go. And I think that's, that's one of the coolest things about this. And like, I, I, I said it a couple of times, but like, I'm grateful to be in this with you right now because like I'm learning a lot and you, the energy that you're giving me is absolutely amazing. Like this is, this is fascinating to me. And it's so much like so much. Yeah. Fun. I'm thankful to be in this space with you too. I was thinking, see what you're talking um, about, like resources and and yeah. how, I, like, when I think about you, I feel like you're someone that's like constantly like trying to learn and get better. Like that's just who you are, and I've like always known that about you. And I see this as just like one other medium for your self growth that other people are going to really benefit from. And I think that's really really cool. I appreciate that. It's, 
It is. It's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of that. And then it's also, again, going back to my, my Enneagram too, my helper, right. Being able to help people in some aspect. And like, that's, that's where steps kind of came from, right? Like it's, it's being able to share like the good and the challenging of somebody's story, because we all have those pieces and it's, it's, it's a relatability aspect. It's something that when somebody walks away from this and listens to your story about grief or divorce or finding meditation or whatever, that it sparks something in somebody like, Oh, well, Amanda said that like, I can do this. Right. And it goes, I go back to the first episode Matt and I did was like his goal. And ultimately I ended up finding it. That's my goal is if, if we can help one person along yeah. the way by telling a story and doing this, like that's what it's absolutely yeah, about. For sure. T- t- can we like riff for a second on like, like yeah. books? Like, let's, I want to because I feel like that <laughs> is like a, an area that I want to suggest. Yeah. And- um, d- okay. I'll, uh, what's on your nightstand? Book wise. Uh, We're in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, interesting. So, oh, actually, I I just finished um, um, How to Do the Work by uh, she's the holistic psychologist. Yes, is that how this is that? Is, this is incredible. Like, I okay. really this is list. amazing. Um, so, I just finished How to Do the Work. Um, it's funny because I'm in the studio. I literally have so many things beside me. You're like, yeah. Um, this is not a book, but I'm very excited to do this. And this actually reminds me of you. So Esther Perel, do you ever listen to her stuff? Uh-oh. So, incredible psychologist has the podcast. Anyway, so she has this, this card game called where should we begin a game of stories? And, and I haven't done oh. it yet, but it's like, you like, you know, um, you, you, you pull a card and it's like, you know, everything from like my most irrational fear to, um, you know, a text message that I should have never sent. What did it say? Okay, hold on. We're, <laughs> we're going. We're going. We're going totally ad hoc. Open that sucker up and let's okay. do one. I mean, like it's it's perfectly fitting that it's sitting right there. So the first one, um, the first one you pull, I'll go, and then oh uh, boy, and oh then boy. The, oh God. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, that's I'm just kind of worried about what might come up here. No, but this, like, see, and like. This is the fun stuff too, right? Because again, the where we've been and where we're going, like this is this is what it's about. Um, so as you're opening that books, um, what am I reading? I'm reading the Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss right now. Mm-hmm. Um, really fascinating. I'm trying to kind of optimize your life and your schedule and that kind of stuff. So that's the, that's one I'm reading right now. And I actually read a piece of fiction. Um, first fiction book I've read in a long time. Uh, what was it? The president is missing by James Patterson. It was recommended for yeah. a friend, but like, cause, cause I read a lot of like deep yeah. stuff or self-help stuff or like, you know, growth. And so it was good to actually kind of mix something in that was a, a little yeah. bit different. Not like, Oh my God, I'm going to grow. I'm going to do this. No, I was like, okay, cool. It's about like, it's a story. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. And I, that is, necessary to like get to like get lost in that into someone else's story as opposed to our own. Yes. Um, I was thinking like, you know, when I think about books or like you said, like what's on my nightstand, like I always have like two books in the last like few years where if someone's like, what do you recommend? Like when I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about like you're in a transition in your life or you're experiencing change, grief, um, when things fall apart by Pima Chodron, 
one of the best books I've ever read. Like, or it might be called Things Fall Things Fall Apart. Um, okay. And I cannot no when things fall apart. Um, that that is like the guide of the starting point of like healing for me. Um, and then secondly, I don't know if you've read the untethered soul by Michael Singer, that <laughs> book, like his stuff. Hey, I knew you were going to go with that just based on our earlier, our previous like prep work. It's actually sitting on my nightstand and it like, it's a, the book itself is very daunting to me. It's a little book, right? Like it's it has like it, light, like pastel colors on the yeah, cover, like, like, like light blue and this horse. <laughs> and, I just, and I'm like, and I, I've opened it up a couple times and I don't necessarily think that I was in the space yeah. to like, to, to like bring in what all, like what all it's willing to give. Right. And so from that perspective, I, like I've tried it a couple times and I haven't been able to just like get into it. And now that it's come up another time, I believe that there's probably a reason that I Steve, that, to try that book and, and Michael Singer's work has been transformative for my last year, right? The last year, which we didn't even get into. Yeah, we didn't talk about it. I mean, go, yeah, go yeah, for yeah. it. So before we do these cards, so yeah, so maybe I'll just like pick back up. So like meditation started, which is kind of interesting, early 2020. And then, yeah. you know, we were in COVID, like almost immediately. And here I am, this like Enneagram 7 that's like traveling to Europe by myself over holidays to like meet people and like drink beer in pubs with strangers and like just ask other people questions so that I don't have to talk and just be anywhere and do anything. <laughs> <laughs> is like stuck in my house, which all of us were. But for me, like that was such an interesting like, here you are, lady. You can yeah. keep running, but like I'm, we're gonna sit you right here in in this specific home, and you can't really go anywhere. And that's where this was in, Na yeah, you were in Nashville, Nashville yeah. in the in you know the home, and I you know I I couldn't go anywhere. So it's like, but that point I was two months into my meditation journey, right? So like I had started to like kind of develop this skill set of like. I can do this. Although I've said over and over and over, I can't do this and I need to go and be like, I can. So after a few months, I was like, I can't do this. No, I, can't. I, was like, <laughs> 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 I was like, I need to change my space. Like for, for a healthy, like to, you know, if I'm going to sit in it, I don't want to sit in it here anymore. And I actually um, moved to the mountains and I, I know you know this. So I moved to Asheville, North Carolina, which is my spiritual home. Um, years ago, so I, I, Ash was always felt like a home base to me. Um, and years ago, I was visiting when I was in Cincinnati and I was visiting uh, Asheville and I was sitting at like, at the time it was like Asheville pizza and brewing or something and drinking an IPA and like literally living my best life. And I felt so sad to leave. So I was there with my friend, Jared, this is like 2010. Um, and I'm sitting there and I, and I'm telling him, like, I feel so sad. Like, I don't want to leave Asheville. I don't want to go back to Cincinnati. Like I want to, like, it just makes me feel sad. And this woman sitting beside me at the, at the bar, like kind of turns around, swivels her chair. And she was like, this place heals people. 
So it's 2010. She's like, it's the power of these mountains. And she's like hippy dippy. I, mean, I know you've been to Asheville. So like, you know, yeah. it's like you can picture the yeah, woman oh yeah, that's sitting there. It's an eclectic yeah. mix. Of, and I yes, was like, yes. you know, so, somehow I put it in my, in my memory and uh, obviously went back many, many times after that. But, you know, fast forward, it's March of 2020 or it's April of 2020. And I am sitting in it at this point. Now I'm like kind of a year into the hard stuff, but it just got harder because, you know, because of COVID. Yeah. Do it by do yourself. It by yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, borders are shut down. Um, you, you're like a bad person if you're like out and about, like just all the things. Um, mm-hmm. And I remembered the woman that swiveled her chair and said, Asheville heals people. And I was like, that's it. I'm, I'm going to Asheville. So I rented a place in Asheville. It was just going to be six months, rented my house out and basically went to Asheville with like my Peloton. And that was it. And I ended up spending 13 months there and it was so transformative to like be in the mountains and like connecting in that way. I could go on and on, but that, that place, that place healed. It it was part of your healing. Yes. And you know, a major piece. It was a critical and needed part of where I am today. I don't think healing is linear. Because yesterday I'm, I'm what what am I saying? Radical acceptance as I'm acceptance, sobbing. sobbing. <laughs> but uh, 13 months in the mountains. Now I realize, like I'm, in, I, I sit in so much privilege even being able to do that, and um, you know, being able to work from wherever um, it really helps that. But that that's a huge part of my last few years was was my time in the mountains. And it's it's been it's been fun. <sighs> from an outsider's perspective, right? Like knowing that you were going through stuff, because again, you, you put a little bit out there, but not much. And again, if you pay attention to people, which I tend to do, right? Like I can put the pieces yeah. together. So not that you ever outwardly, you know, came and said all this stuff was going on, but like, okay. Oh, You okay. reached out. And you reached you out just, early, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those that like, that's, that's what you do. That's what you do as a friend and as a person. But also for me, it was as we were stuck in, you know, in Portland, right? Like life, two kids doing, uh, you know, the best that we can, right? You and watching what you put out there gave some life mm-hmm. and some hope to mm-hmm. me. And, and I, like, because like, I knew that you were on a journey yeah. and I knew that you were taking care of yourself and doing something that, far too often people don't do and they just like you jumped you did something to better yourself and move yourself forward you took that proverbial first step and so when you were going through that like as much as it was for you know that it was inspirational Mm -hmm. for people including myself that may have not told Mm -hmm. you that along the way Mm -hmm. as well i appreciate that steve yeah like it's uh, like I applaud you and I, I, I'm so incredibly happy to watch your journey from a distance and watch the, the growth and the evolution and that has brought you to this yeah. moment, sitting in a studio yeah. in Philly and sobbing on the floor and <laughs> uttering radically. <laughs> We've come a long way. I'm a- I'm a, I'm a, I'll reach out to you to let her know that, that she just she spoke to you. It's funny though. Right? Again, you, like Peloton and all that stuff. Like I've developed a pretty 
solid relationship with like Kristen McGee. That's why I was asking it. Like, and I'll we'll message back and forth occasionally, but like, it's the people that we connect through, through screens, through social media, through all that stuff. They like the impact that they have, you know, hopefully again, same with this podcast, right? I've gotten a lot of people to reach out through it's a different medium, but like, by doing the things that we're doing, and if you're show, we're showing up who we are and showing up authentically, it yeah. helps people in one way, shape, or form. And I think that's the coolest part about like this yeah. journey. It's so yeah. cool. You ready oh, for a card? Sip my tea, and then yeah, let's do a card. I got the first one. Okay, so I'm just supposed to pull a random one and read. Yeah, it. all good. I'm, I'm sending you my energy, and you pick which one oh, it boy. is. <laughs> okay. Uh, a time I admitted I was wrong. We can get to a better one than that. Yeah, I mean, I do that a lot in my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I don't, but... Um... Okay. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Maybe another one? Yeah, we'll do another one. I need to let go of... Oh. I need to let go of holding on to the things that happened to me in my childhood and saying that and uh, using it as a crutch or as something that I lean on because I know what I've been through makes up who I am and in the next breath, I have the opportunity to change the narrative or read the story a little mm -hmm. bit different and not allow it. So like I'll give an example, like, and I do it a lot with my wife, you know, we sit and we go back and forth and like, as I struggle through stuff, I end up going back to some of the trauma, some of the stuff that I've been through. And I'm like, Oh, well I went through this. And, and in some cases, and it's tough to admit, but like, I use it as it can be an excuse, right? Going back to the, it, like it's the honesty piece as opposed to like the authenticity piece and the ability to move and learn yeah. from it. And that's, that's not, it's not easy to do. And I also know that it's kind of crucial to continue to evolve. So I need to let go of holding on to that stuff as a definition as to why I do some things. That's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think it takes a lot to even look at your past or your childhood, or like the death of your mom, which I remember you sharing that with me like very early, which at that point it had not been that long, but um, it's hard to go into that, into all of that and, and identify it. Here was a pivotal moment in my childhood. So that's step one, but then to not have that, just to carry that with you and be like what you lead with going forward. It's more like, can that be something I process in part of my story and not what I lead with? That's, whew, that's deep, man. Yeah. And, well, and as a parent too, right. You know, I find that even some of the tendencies and the stuff that has happened, right it bubbles up or manifests its way into my life. And it's not necessarily how I ultimately choose to parent or do this or this, but like, it's sometimes that reactionary piece, right? Like it's the, and 
So that's something I'm working on in therapy is to continue to try to uncover some of those things. And then also know that those, those things, those reactions, maybe I can take a step back. Maybe I can slow down. Maybe I can pause. Maybe Mm, I, you mm -hmm. know, so yeah, but like it's, it's no different than you sharing your journey. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not, this is not a deflection. This is kind of a celebration of you, right? Like your divorce, your, you know, you're coming, all of that stuff doesn't define who you are, but you can continue if you wanted to, right. You could lean back into it. Well, I'm I'm divorced and I let these people down and but that's not the case, right. That's the journey you're on 715 days of meditation and, you know, radical, radical acceptance on the floor and all that stuff. Like, you're doing the work. Do we go back to those mm-hmm. things? Yes, it's natural, but those aren't the things that define us. Those are the things that make up who Shape we are. And we have the choice to move yeah. forward. Um, that took a total different. Yeah, I was, I was thinking. I was thinking like while you're saying that, but um, you know, I have someone that I share some of this stuff, like these thoughts with often. But one thing that that we say a lot is like, like it just it just is right. And what a blessing that we were able to go through what we've been through or what again, like it's almost like a way, and this is a Michael Singer thing, but a way of almost like tricking and not in like a falsehood, but like rewiring of your mind to say like, what a gift, what a gift. That's hard. (laughs) And it, it is. And it's so, hard to receive that gift because again, like yeah. you think about gifts, you have to receive yeah. it. We can sit and say it and we can say it and we can say it and like, yeah, it's, and I've said it, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change the world. I wouldn't change anything that's happened because this is exactly where I'm meant mm-hmm. to be. Whether you be- believe the, you believe in God, the universe, whatever yeah. your spiritual be like, we're here and we're exactly where we're yeah. meant to be. Right. So I would never change it away. And the analogy that I, I uh, my brother and I were talking like our story up to this point in time, you and I talking right now is written. It's in pen, right? Can't change it. Can't do anything about it, but that's our story. What we do have the opportunity to change or do is start mapping out our story for the future, right? What do the next chapters look like? What do we want them to look like? Also understanding that they may, and it's written in pencil. Keep that in mind because again, it's not it's nothing set in stone until it's in the past but we have the opportunity to sit and think about what we want to create. Also understanding that just because we want it to happen, doesn't mean it's going to be written in, in pen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll bring up Michael Singer one last time for a jar card, but he Go always says, and th- this is like a, like a, a thought that, that I think about often that it almost brings me, it brings me so much peace, but it took a billion years of things happening a certain way for us to be sitting here. Like every single thing had to go perfectly for us to have this moment or the next moment or that, like who always like in the, in the most beautiful way possible, like who do we think we are that we have this like control control over anything. So it goes back to like radical acceptance. I mean, you know, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like billions of years of molecules and atoms, like forming together and our ancestors meeting and, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, I mean, that's the truth. And even if you want to, so that, I mean, that's completely like macro, 
you know, if you want to talk micro and just even <laughs> we'll go the past nine years, right? You and I, our paths crossed in 2012, yeah. right? Here we are, 2021, almost into 2022, and we're having this conversation. But there's no way in hell that you and I would have even thought that this would be a blip on the radar nine to ten years from when we first I'm sure, Can you imagine if, like, nine years ago, you and Corey were in my apartment, if we were like, hey, nine years from and- now we're all going to have like our shit rocked and we're going to record it on this thing called a podcast <laughs> yeah, that people are going to listen to. And Oh my God. Like, wait, what can I yeah, choose not no, to experience that? It's funny. Yeah. Right. I mean, Oh my goodness. But this is where we're meant yeah. to be. And I love it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm truly, it is a yeah. gift to you, to what you said. Like it's this moment and everything that we've been through is completely good. Okay. What do I got? All right, your card. I wish I had never seen. Oh. Oh, boy. Um, you want to know why this is hard for me? I'd love I'm to. an avoider by nature. Hmm. So if I had it up to my, if I'm, if I'm not in radical acceptance mode, I am trying to control what I'm taking in. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, I've spent a lot of time trying to reject some, I'm, I'm trying to unwire that and, and to really say like, all of it is yes, all of it can come my Hmm. way. That's hard. So I wish I had never seen as almost is very counter to that. Um, I wish I had never seen. I'm trying to be. Pre- you can grab another one if you feel if you're not feeling it. We pulled the second one for me. It's okay. Yeah. Um, okay. We got to pull a random one. I can't cheat. Okay. I love it. <laughs> a text message I regret sending. Oh, there you go. Um, this takes me back to... Um, you know, probably three years ago when things felt like they were falling apart in my life. And I wouldn't say that it's one text, but I kind of alluded to this earlier. I really feel like I like dumped emotionally on a lot of people in my life. I mean, that's just like where I was. And I, Mm -hmm. I love that version of myself. So I don't know if it's regret, but I, I think I probably emotionally flooded my family and friends. Um, and I, 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 I feel bad. Like it's funny because we're talking about like everything happens for a reason and we're in this moment. Mm-hmm. But like, I think that's also just kind of part of the story and it is, you know, how I'm here. But like, I regret how much I was trying to like self soothe. And, and in doing that, I, I think I really like, yeah, really emotionally poured on 
um, to like valuable people in my life. And I've felt this need and I have to some to say like, I'm really sorry. Like that was way more about me trying to get you to tell me that I'm okay, as opposed to me telling myself I'm okay. So it's not like the saucy, like regretting text, but it's like, yeah, yeah, I think I have emotionally flooded the shit out of my friends and family. As somebody who's been on a receiving end of some of those, not from you, but just in general, or somebody that's a helper, right? Like oh, I bet. the people, the people that are there and that you sent that to, like, again, to a re for a reason, I can understand the regret and I don't take anything away from that. Just know that the people that know and love you and care about you don't care. Yeah. And, and again, it's that fine line. So I get it. And I, I receive what you said. I'm not just yeah. that. I just, just a little. Yeah, no, I that. appreciate that. I appreciate that. <sighs> well, we've been chatting for oh, an hour and 20 minutes, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I'm thinking we've covered a whole lot of stuff, right? And I want to give you an opportunity. If there's anything else that you want to share, or if there's anything else that kind of comes up that you feel compelled to, or let's be honest, I mean, the way this has gone, I have a feeling that we may have to do this again. And, you know, I mean, I've got, I had, I had some th things pop into my head that we'll talk offline about, but like, we could, I, I dig this, this is fun. And this has been pretty awesome doing this with you. But like, is there, before I offer a little bit of gratitude to you and ask a final question, is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with? Great question. Um, let me think about that. Um, it, so I would say that the, you know, when I think about the name of your podcast, Steve, is steps, like I would, I would say to your listeners, like to do that in, in take one step in its entirety and all of it and be in it and not be thinking ahead and not be, you know, judging yourself because like there are so many tools out there to keep you there, to like have you be okay with where you're at. Um, and then the second thing I would say is it's okay to fail. It's okay to fail. People don't care as much as it feels like they do. Um, yeah. And you know, the power of yes. And right. Like it can, it can be, it can be <laughs> beautiful and awful at the same time. And we can hold all of that. We are capable. That's, that is completely true. And both very, like very profound and things that I think we all can yeah. do. I dig it. Um, so if anybody wants to connect to you, yeah. What's the, and I'll link all this in the show notes in the description, like, but you know, what's the best way to connect with, with yeah. you, your social channels? Yeah, or anything like um, that? yeah. My, probably my Instagram, which I think you can put up there, but it's like, a yeah, I'll put it in there. I'll put it in the notes. Way to say Amanda Martin. Um, yeah, for sure. And I, and I would love to connect, would love to, to answer some questions and yeah, be connected. That's my, that's what I love. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Well, in closing, what I want to do is I want to actually offer a little bit of gratitude, something that I, I love to do. And, um, this is, this is one that 
I'm full of gratitude for you, uh, you know, for you coming on, sharing, you know, being willing to share your story, your journey. Um, you know, I'm grateful that our paths crossed nine, almost 10 years ago, because like we said, we wouldn't be to this place in time. We wouldn't be having this conversation had that not happened. And, um, you know, for you, for your inspiration, you know, you inspire me, you inspire many people by the journey that you're on. And I want to encourage you to keep going and lean into other people's, not as a uh, deflection or as a pushback, but as, you know, something to help keep you mm -hmm. moving forward. Cause that's what we're here for. So my final question for you, and it's, it's simple yet a little bit of a doozy is who is Amanda Martin? We're ending with who is Amanda Martin? We're ending. This is where tie, what we're doing is we're tying a bow on this last hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. And I want to know in your words, who's Amanda Martin? Yeah. So I think we've talked about the different steps along the way of uh, who, mm -hmm. who I have been, who I am today. Um, I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a meditator. I am a connector. Um, I'm a leader. Um, I am still as passionate as I've ever been. Um, I'm open hearted, um, tender hearted, um, and ready, ready, willing, open for the unfolding. You nailed it. You described yourself. <laughs> I hope so. You, you crushed it. So again, I, like, I appreciate you. I appreciate the time. Um, and I know that this is going to go to impact more lives than you can imagine. We'll get it, get it. Thank going. you so much, Steve. Appreciate so, this platform. Appreciate all the work you're doing. You're amazing. Man, I, I appreciate you as well. Thanks for the vulnerability yeah. and the authenticity. And uh, until all we talk right. again. See ya. Bye. Bye. I can't thank Amanda enough for her vulnerability, willingness to share, and most importantly, her real conversation. I hope that each and every one of you took at least one thing from this episode. For me, some of the quick takeaways revolve around the fact that there's a big difference between being honest and being vulnerable with yourself and with others. Authenticity and vulnerability are challenging for many and a game changer for everyone. What were your takeaways? What were you left with? Let me know over on my Instagram at Steve Vetzel, S-T-E-V-E-V-E-N-C-L on the post for this episode. Additionally, please share this with someone who may benefit from hearing these words. That's what it's about, sharing people's stories and understanding how to keep moving forward. Thanks for listening. Please like, subscribe, and comment. And until next time, keep moving forward, even if it is just one small step at a time.